Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Praise the Lord, everyone. I can tell you this morning, I feel like I'm at home. So many familiar faces, people here I know and love. And that's a good thing, but then it's also very nervous because there's nowhere harder to preach than at home. So whenever I'm feeling at home, I can tell you I feel nervous. I give honor this morning to Pastor Boyd and Sister Boyd. I love them very much, such wonderful people. I always get tickled whenever people come into our church and they uh, stand up and talk about how good our pastor is, and we're like, well, we already know that. But here this morning, I couldn't tell you enough good things about your pastor and your pastor's wife, and I'm so thankful for them and um, my bishop he does not trust a whole lot of people to do a whole lot of things so whenever he uh, puts things on your pastor and ask him to do things it's a testament of how great of a man he is and I am very thankful for the help that he is to my pastor I appreciate that if you would turn in your Bible this morning to Second Samuel chapter 21 we'll start reading in verse 1 It's good to see not only familiar faces, but it's good to see a lot of faces that I don't know. That is always a good thing. Yep, I killed my first deer with Brother Everett (laughs) a lot of years ago. 2 Samuel 21, beginning in verse 1, says, Then there was a famine in the days of David three years, year after year. And David inquired of the Lord, and the Lord answered, It is for Saul and for his bloody house, because he slew the Gibeonites. And the king called the Gibeonites and said unto them, Now the Gibeonites were not of the children of Israel, but of the remnant of the Amorites. And the children of Israel had sworn unto them, and Saul sought to slay them in his zeal, not to the Lord, but his zeal to the children of Israel and Judah. Wherefore David said unto the Gibeonites, What shall I do for you, and wherewith shall I make the atonement, that ye may bless the inheritance of the Lord? And the Gibeonites said unto him, We will have no silver nor gold of Saul nor of his house, neither for us shall thou kill any man in Israel. And he said, What ye shall say, that will I do for you. And they answered the king, the man that consumed us and that devised against us, that we should be destroyed for remaining in any of the coast of Israel. Let seven of his sons be delivered unto us, and we will hang them up unto the Lord in Gibeon of Saul, whom the Lord did choose. And the king said, I will give them. This morning I would like to preach for a little while, and I know I speak to so many 
seasoned saints and good people this morning, but the Lord laid it on my heart to preach for a little while about we can't afford the cost of losing. If you would set your Bibles down, let's pray one more time. Lord God, we've not come into this place for just another gathering. Lord, it's not a fashion show this morning. It's not just another time to be with friends, Lord. But we've come in here to be touched by you, to be ministered to by you, Lord God. Oh, we need your life change in our hearts today, Lord. We need you to minister and have your way, Lord God. Lord, let your anointing fill this place today, Lord. I've got to have you, Jesus. Lord, I need your help, Lord Jesus. Lord, minister as only you can. Let your perfect will be done this morning, we ask. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. You can be seated this morning. So good to have my wife with me this morning. She was so gracious to drive while I worked on a few things, and so thankful for that. But a long time ago, I heard a story, and I love stories. I love telling stories, and so uh, they kind of stick with me. But I heard a story about a, a little boy that, was selling papers not too long after the depression and so he were, was out on the street and he was selling these papers and there was a, a young businessman that had just made a big deal and he was feeling confident and he was feeling a little cocky and he, he walked up and the little boy was selling these papers for a nickel a paper. And so uh, this young businessman feeling good about what he had just done, he pulls out a nickel and he tells says tell you what kid he said uh I'll flip you for the paper if I win I get the paper for free if you win you know you get the nickel and of course the boy said no sir I can't do that so he said well how about I'll double it double or nothing well flip for a dime you know you get you could get two papers there the price for two papers the little boy said no sir I can't do that the guy said, well, how about for a quarter? For a quarter, I'll flip you far. You get five times your money right here, this flip. And the little boy, he just said, no, sir, I can't do that. And filling his oats, the young guy, he pulls out a fresh dollar bill. And he said, how about for a dollar? I'll flip you for the dollar. The little boy said, no, sir, I can't do that. This young businessman, he was intrigued and a little bit aggravated, and he pulled out a $5 bill, and he said, this is more than all of your papers right there are worth, $5. I'll flip you for it right now. And the little boy said, no, sir, you don't understand. I can't afford to lose. This morning, can I tell you, we can't afford losing. We're not in a game today, but we're in a quest for eternity. We're in a walk with God that we can't afford to lose today. We're working for eternal life here. It's not just another meeting. It's not just another buy thing of just, oh, we're going to have a good time today and this and that. No, we're working for eternal life. You see, Jesus said in John 11 that I am the resurrection and the life, and he that believeth in me, though he were dead, he shall live. And whomsoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die it is a matter of life and death this morning. We can't just nonchalantly walk through life saying, oh, it's no big deal. 
Oh, there's nothing big or nothing important. But you see, we're working for heaven. And to do this in order to get there, the only way we're going to do that is to overcome sin. Very familiar, but Romans tells us, for the wages of sin is death. And working with young people, trying to convince them of that, you know, they say, well, you, know, you don't die just because you sin. You know, I, everybody's messed up before, and they just, God doesn't just strike them down. No, not all the time. But you see, Eve, she didn't realize it because she probably didn't feel any older or feel any different whenever she reached and got that piece of fruit. But can I tell you, even as it was on the way to her mouth, she was starting to die then. It was the beginning of the end at that very moment. No, Samson, the first time that he walked into one of those strange women, no, God didn't strike him down then, but it was the beginning of the end. Samson went from just a little thing to he loved it, the Bible says, and it was the beginning of the end. Because the wages of sin is death. No, sin doesn't kill immediately. It's a long and slow and painful death, I'm telling you this morning. Unfortunately, I've seen it time and time again, as many of you have, people that start off with good intentions and they start off on the right track and everything looks really good. But slowly and painfully you can watch as they begin to fall by the wayside, can drag on for years and years. And probably the saddest thing about sin is it affects everybody around you. So many people think, oh, it's just, this is my life. This is what I want to do. But yet you look around you today the person to the right of you and the person to the left of you, your sin will affect them and your sin will hurt them. It's not a business deal that we make or lose. Sin is not a game that you just simply win or lose in three strikes and you're out. See, the price of sin is too high. I know we say the wages of sin is death, but we... Most of us can't even think that far down the road. But the saddest thing about sin is it separates us from God. And people don't even realize that they're being pulled apart. Samson, he got up and he was just going to go out as every time before. He didn't even realize that he'd been pulled away from God. 1 John 1 and 5 says God is light and in him is no darkness at all. I've seen people that think that just out of talent and just out of, you know, charisma and whatnot, they can go in and they can live however they want to and then just walk in and have a move of God. But you see, God cannot be there. Where sin is, he said, I'm sorry, I love you, but I can't be there where sin is. He's pure and he is holy. He cannot be where sin is. If we go back to our text, I apologize, but I, I love being in the Bible. I, I like going scripture by scripture. I love it. But Israel was in drought for three years. And David, being a good king, 
wasn't just waiting back saying, okay, when this is over, I've got plenty of water. I've got plenty of this. David was praying. He was seeking God. And finally, God speaks to David and he said, it's because of the sin of Saul. Because of one man's sin, a whole nation suffering. You say, well, Saul did a lot of things, but what was so bad about killing these people? They weren't even Israelites. They weren't even God's people that he killed. It's because way back in Joshua chapter 9, some over 400 years before Saul was even on the picture, Joshua and the elders of Israel, they made a covenant with these people, with the Gibeonites. They made a covenant with them. And though Saul didn't care about it, and Saul said, oh, it's a a thing of the past, and it doesn't matter anymore, God still honored that covenant. God still believed in it. Can I tell you today, people, especially young people, you better be careful whenever you start breaking covenants that your parents and your grandparents, your pastors made with God. You see, we live in a different covenant today. We live in a living sacrifice, a covenant with God of separation and holiness and being like him. Before you just half-heartedly tear that up and break it and throw it to the side because you think it's old and out of date, you better take some time and pray about it and think about it before you just throw these things away because God honors our covenant with him. But Saul trying to be the hero instead of the king. He was supposed to be the king of God's people and discern for them and lead for them, but instead, he wanted to be the hero, Brother Jerry. He wanted to impress them. Instead of being ate up with zeal for God, he had zeal for the people, for them to call out his name. and So he breaks the covenant. He kills these people. Here, some roughly, depending on what you read, say about around 30 years later, God's people are paying for the sin of this man. So David goes to try to make things right, and he talks to the Gibeonites, and, you know, he probably thought, you know, a little gold, a little silver, maybe give them some land, you know, something. They'll be happy with that. They'll be good with that. And it sounded pretty good at first, and they they told David, oh, we don't even want gold. Don't worry about gold. And and David, you don't have to kill anybody. And David's probably thinking, oh, I'm getting out good on this deal. I'm I'm doing good on this deal. You know, I'm just going to slide right in there. But you see the problem that David didn't understand, and, and Saul didn't understand it way back then, but you don't get to set the price on sin. You and I, whenever whenever we sin and we do things, and I know everybody messes up, but whenever people sin and they think, I'm going to get away with it, and what's the worst thing that happened? I go to the altar and just repent, and oh, God will forgive me, and it'll all be good. But you see, you don't get to set the price on sin. You just ask Herod. Herod had befriended this man, John the Baptist, that was preaching repentance. And Herod was even starting to change. He was starting to do better. 
But one day in trying to impress his friends, trying to be the hero, this young girl comes and dances for Herod and he's going to show off to the guys. You know, he's going to flex his muscles a little bit. And he says, uh, young lady, you just tell me what you want. Anything up to half of my kingdom. You see, Herod thought he was setting the price. He thought he was calling the shots here and he was going to say, I can afford this much. I'm sure in his mind he thought, you know, this girl, she'll want a dress or maybe a, a pony or maybe, you know, a chariot or something like that, maybe a party of her own or, or whatnot, and I can afford that. I'll set the price at what I can afford. But the problem is with sin, we don't get to set the price. And we all know the story. There was her mother, Herodias, in the other room that set the price. And whenever she came back and told Herod, this girl, he was in shock, I'm sure. He was beside himself because he never expected that that would be the price, that that would be the cost. But I'm here to tell you this morning, with sin, we don't get to set the price There's somebody else back in another room somewhere that's saying, oh, you think you can afford this. You think you can can pay this price. But let me tell you, you can't afford the cost of sin this morning. The Gibeonites call for seven of Saul's kids and his grandkids. While sin had affected all of Israel and it can affect everybody. I've seen churches go through struggles and even breakups because of one person's sin. But let me tell you, it can get very personal too. You look back in Second Samuel 21 and verse 8. It says, But the king took two sons of Ripspah, the daughter of Ai, who that she bare unto Saul, Armani and Mephibosheth, and the five sons of Micah, the daughter of Saul, And he delivered them into the hands of the Gibeonites and they hanged them in the hill before the Lord and they fell all seven together and were put to death in the days of the harvest, in the first days in the beginning of the barley harvest. And Ripsa, the daughter of Ai, took sackcloth and spread it for her upon the rock from the beginning of the harvest until the water dropped upon them out of heaven and suffered neither the birds of the air to rest upon them by day, nor the beast of the field by night. Here we have this probably older and broken woman at this point. Her life was probably not what she had wanted it to be. I must say that while probably many ladies, and I know some of the young people, young ladies that do it, Some of them grow up wanting to be a princess. They want to be the queen. But can I tell you, I doubt any young ladies grew up wanting to be the concubine. That was where Ripsa found herself. But she could take comfort even though she wasn't the queen and even though she wasn't the one that everybody looked at and said, I want to be like her. She could take comfort because she had some boys. Her pride and her joy, her boys. I enjoy seeing parents that love their kids and are proud of their kids. I enjoy hearing stories and 
I never liked it growing up when my dad would brag on my sister and I a lot in front of us, but now that I've gotten older, I love to hear parents that love their kids and believe in their kids. There's nothing like a proud mama or a proud daddy. And I can just see her, while her life didn't turn out what she wanted to be, she had her boys. She could talk about her boys and living in the palace, it, it wasn't a bad life. You had plenty to eat and this and that. But whenever Saul died, there wasn't really anywhere for her to go. You know, the, the queen might be taken care of, but, you know, there really wasn't a, a place for the concubine, if you will. But she still had her boys. You know, her boys could take care of her. She could rely on her boys. Can you imagine being the one to have to go to that little lady after so much of her life had not turned out the way she wanted it. To be the one to have to go and look her in the eye and tell you, Ripsa, I've got some bad news for you today. I I can see that lady kind of step back a little bit and what's going on? We're already in a famine. We already don't have anything to eat. I, I don't already. I'm, I don't have anything left, but my boys. What kind of news do you have for me? Who oh, rips it? It's about your boys. Oh no! What about my boys? Is one of them sick? No rips. I don't know how to tell you this, but your boys are going to have to die. I can see that little lady struggling to even stand probably, having to find somewhere to sit. Can you imagine a mama that all she's got left in this world is her two boys? Her mind had to have been racing, running wild. What's going on? Did they do something? Is David finally trying to get rid of Saul's house? Is he trying to finally seal the kingdom for himself? No, Rips. They're having to die because of Saul's sin. Because of their daddy's sin. They're having to die. Can I beg you here today, parents? Anything in your life shouldn't be there. Let me beg you this morning. Get it out of your life today. Stop it today. Break any generational curses. Because your kids one day will have to pay for it. Unfortunately, I've seen it time and time again. A parent gets mad at the preacher. A parent gets mad at somebody in church. They walk out the door and they know the truth. But all they do is badmouth and run down the preacher and the church. And their kids are the one that end up backslidden and lost. And their grandkids grow up not even knowing the precious truth. Because of parents' sin, the grandparents' sin. I, I don't mean to pick on anybody here today, but I hope you feel my burden this morning. Can't afford the cost. Can't 
their bodies hung on those trees until the rain came. The Bible doesn't give us an exact date of how long they hung there, but we know by the time that David went and got their bodies down, he said he got their bones down. Can you imagine that little lady day and night out there guarding those bodies? And in the daytime, the daytime, she's out there. Get away, birds. Get away. You're not going to get my kids. Get away. You're not going to get my kids. I can only imagine the tears running down her face. I can't imagine the sight. And I don't mean to be gross this morning, but the sight of her children, her boys up there on that tree deteriorating. The sight and the smell of them. And they died not because of their sin, but because of the sin of somebody else. They had to die. I can't imagine the tears that would flow. Maybe she got to the point that she didn't even have any tears left. But she stayed there day and night watching her kids that had to die because of sin here today to tell somebody you've got to get sin out of your life. It's not just for you, but it's for the others that are coming after you. You've got to get sin out of your life. You can't afford the cost of it. Say, but preacher, the Bible even says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Yes, I know that. But we still have to every day do everything that we can to get it out of our life. Paul said, I I die daily. It's not just on Sunday at church. It's not just at camp meeting or district conference. But I die daily because I've got to get the sin out of my life. How do we get sin out of our life? Let me tell you about another man. Another man that died on a tree for somebody else's sin, not because of his own. He was perfect. He was without spot or blemish. God robed himself in flesh and came to this earth that he could die on a cross for you and I. He endured the shame of the cross, the Bible says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes, We are healed. It's by Jesus Christ we can overcome sin. He was perfect and free of sin. He didn't deserve to die. But yet he willingly gave his life that you and I could come into a church house today on this beautiful Sunday and we could come to an altar and with a true heart we could repent and turn around and he said, I am just and faithful to forgive. tell you Jesus can break every chain every addiction that binds you that can destroy your family John 10 tells us the thief cometh not but to steal and kill and to destroy but I am come to have life 
and life more abundantly. In fact, he even went a step further. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd giveth his life for his sheep. Can I tell you, Jesus paid the ultimate price that you and I could one day live with him in paradise But before we get there, we've got to overcome this thing called sin. And he gives us the power to do that. Through his grace and his mercy, he forgives our sin. And so many people, unfortunately, they they come to an altar and they feel his forgiveness and his grace. They Sadly, they walk away and say, I can't do it. I've sinned too much. I've gone too far. But I'm here to tell you, his blood is good enough. He is able to forgive and to cleanse you of anything in your life today. I love a song that was sung some years back that said there are greater sins than that beneath the blood. I'm here to tell you today, you haven't gone too far. You haven't messed up too much. He still loves you and he still cares about you. And today, he wants you to get your life right with him. The first step is believing that he will. And I'm here to tell you this morning, he will. It starts with repentance. Turning away. Not just saying, I'm sorry, but turning away. Can I tell you there is power in repentance? Hope I'm not going too long this morning, but a good friend of mine was an alcoholic for years and years. There's about five years of his life that he can't even account for. His wife has to tell him what happened with their kids during that time, what went on, this and that. One day, Henry walked down to an altar. He wasn't even at a church that was preaching full truth, but the preacher got up and preached about repentance. Henry walked to an altar with a pure heart. He stood there and cried out to God, forgive me. And while every program that he tried failed, every step or classes he went to didn't work, when he went to an altar and he truly repented and said Lord I'm sorry I don't want to do this anymore I want to change my life God took away that desire out of Henry's life pulled it away from him I'm here to tell you there's power in repentance when David cried out created me a clean heart and a right spirit he wasn't just saying words to say them but he knew a man after God's own heart he had to get his heart right with God and God is willing to do that for you today This morning as I get ready to close I'm here to beg somebody I don't know who I'm preaching to I know I'm preaching to me So many times that people just say Oh we're you know God will forgive us God will forgive us Can I tell you that the same grace that saved us The first time we went to altar Is strong enough to keep us from sin To give us power to overcome sin You don't have to keep failing You don't have to keep going back to those old things But God's grace is powerful enough To keep you from sin this morning 
morning as our our singers are getting ready. I've got a I've got a nickel here. Now, I, I I've made a lot of horse deals, bought a lot of saddles and a few other things with the flip of a coin, and that's how we settled the price. Because I wanted five hundred, a thousand less, and they wanted five hundred, a thousand more. And finally, just somebody pull out a coin, and we'll flip, and we'll settle it that way. Is there anybody here this morning that would like to walk up here, and we'll flip this coin for eternity? Heaven or hell this morning? Anybody want to flip this coin for eternity this morning? Why not? Why wouldn't you want to come up here? You got a 50-50 shot. Can't afford the cost of losing. If you would stand with me today. Eternity is in the balance. There's nobody here judging this morning. There's nobody here condemning this morning. There's just people trying to make it to heaven. There's people just like you and just like me this morning. It's got to make heaven our home. We can't afford to lose. Can't afford the cost of not making it to heaven. I wonder if we would come to the altar this morning. I want to invite everybody. I don't want anybody to fill out a place this morning. But please, I I feel like the the Lord gave me this today. Please, somebody, come to the altar. Pray this morning. Get your life right with God today. You can't afford the cost of losing. It's too great. It's too much. Lord God, I pray that you would help us this morning, Lord God. I pray that you would touch our souls today, Lord God. We can get our hearts right with you this morning, Lord God. Lord, I pray, Lord, you'd forgive us, Lord. Any thought, any imagination that's against your kingdom, Lord. Let our hearts be right before you today. Anything that would keep us from you, Lord God. Anything in our life that doesn't belong, Jesus. We're asking you to take it out today, Lord. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.